Open wide for some soccer! I can't do it. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! I'll write it and we'll do it live! Fucking thing sucks! Hello, hello. Welcome to Open Wide for Some Soccer. My name is Seth Bertoni. Alongside me, soccer homies till the end, Pablo Mauer, Thomas Floyd, and joining us tonight, special guest, Charlie Bohm. Charlie, thanks for biking over. It's a thrill. It's all, it's all my pleasure. <laughs> We're thrilled to have you too. The feeling is mutual, although... Probably it's more of a thrill for you. Let's be honest. Uh, we, you're you're right. You're right, Seth. So we uh, we finally got some some soccer to talk about. I watched nine of the ten MLS games this My weekend. My dear Lord, Thomas, I fear for your relationship. Only nine? <laughs> what? Where'd you fall short there, Thomas? What did you What did you not watch? I did not watch Colorado and Philly because that was simultaneous to the DC United game I was attending in person. Oh, so that See, I, I didn't thought it would be eight point five because that Orlando City NYCFC garbage didn't even count for an entire soccer game. <laughs> I uh, we were talking about this before the show. We we we're now under the impression that that game really got a lot of exposure around the world. Some of our colleagues at Goal.com, for me and Seth, were. Really hungry to get some NYCFC Orlando content, and we we immediately thought, "Oh my, is this what they now think of MLS? Was that game a representation of what every MLS game is like for them?" I, I hope they watched uh, Sporting KC New York afterward as well. Yeah, that was a much better game. I mean, vintage Kaka goal at the end of the game there. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we all think he intentionally pinged that off Jebrovsky to tuck it in the corner, right? It seems pretty likely. This is, after all, a former Blondo or a winner. The third to play in MLS. Do you guys know who the other two are? What? I La- thought it was the first. What? Long Tam. Charlie chimed in with... Lothar Mateus, the pride of uh, New York, New Jersey Metro Stars. Okay. And the other played for DC United. Long tan. I, I'd have to check. Kenny that. Arena. Um, Jeff Curtin. Leonard Pahoy. I don't know who is. He it? played on Ray Hudson era. Does that narrow it down? Ben Olsen. <laughs> Christo Stoichkov. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I forget that he even played for DC United. I, I think a better hint would have been leg breaker. Yeah. <laughs> Litigation inspirer. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I want to, right off the bat here, we have a special opportunity for you guys. Uh, last week, somebody tweeted a picture at us of them with Montan at an Arizona United uh, game, which obviously we appreciate, and it got us thinking. And uh, we want to offer you guys a, a special prize package. Now, this is, this is. let me tell you first of all what you have to do to earn these prizes before I go over what they, what, what they are. We need you to take a picture of yourself with long tan. This is this is for the, our Phoenix-based crowd. Although, 
Arizona United obviously is going to have some away games too. Or so. if you want to travel to Arizona to get this prize. Back, yeah, right, 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 right. Uh, picture of you with Long Ten. You have to be holding a sign, or him even. Him better, but if you do it, it's fine. Preferably him. The sign just says Long Tan loves at OWFSS. Uh, here, here are your, your prizes, which I actually just bought on eBay 20 minutes ago. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're going to get a, a Lewis Creighton upper deck card, which I purchased for 89 cents. That was, my, get, that was my suggestion. Yeah, you're going to get a 3-inch by 5-inch miniature Andrew Shue LA Galaxy poster. And you're going to get, torn out of a magazine, a Freddy Adu Got Milk ad. Uh, those three things will be mailed to you, priority mail for all I care, if you get us that picture. Yeah, that's it. Doubles my purchase price, you know, to to, to mail it. Uh, for, uh, also, obviously, we're as always taking your calls three four seven seven five six six two seven six. You can Skype in at NASN Soccer if you want. You can tweet us at o, at OWFSS uh, about whatever you'd like. Uh, let's let's hear from. Let's you. let's always remember that our phone lines are open not just for soccer questions but for. Any life-related queries that you may have. So we're here for you guys. Thomas Floyd is a, an expert lovemaker. He can give you advice on that. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Pablo, I also want to take a moment to, to thank you and praise <laughs> you for your commitment to transparency. That was MLS Players Union-esque and the way you, you were fully open about exactly how much you paid for those, those prizes. <laughs> so that everyone could know where they fit in on the world market and just what a value they were. Listen, I thought about not disclosing that because I've been losing money for 20 years. You know, but I I felt that it was in the best interest for our viewers to know that. You well, know, I I think that a photo of Long Tan holding up a sign that says "I love open wide for some soccer" is worth well more than anything that you paid on. But yeah, but to, guys, to, to, to be clear, be I mean the the other you know it can be the viewer holding the sign up too. I think Long Tan that's a big ask because then he's going to read it and he's going to be like, I know these motherfuckers like they harass me constantly on Twitter. Yeah, they're the people that I just went to my lawyer with with the restraining order. Yeah, request. exactly. Is, exactly. Does, do Twitter does Twitter have restraining order like properties to it? But but now be be aware of the Photoshop guys. Right, you, you will not accept Photoshop. Oh, one hundred percent. We will not accept. I mean, are you serious? Uh, no. I mean, yeah, yeah. Remember, guys, Pablo is is a crack photo. Producer and editor and taker. And I will. He's going to sniff you out. It's there a good too. shout, Charlie. Thank will, you. Thank you for pointing that out. Yes, I will this, absolutely sniff you. This has to be a real photo. Um, we had MLS this weekend. There were some soccer games played. Thomas almost watched all of them. Uh, so Sorry, gonna, Philly, Colorado. <laughs> yeah, it was a doozy. Let me tell you. I watched. That's what I heard. I watched the second half of that game. It was fantastic. Um, yeah. Good transition. That's all you got. No, nah, I was being sarcastic. Uh, uh, t- your... Seth, Seth, maybe you should mention where we are, by the way. Oh, yeah, we're in the basement of soccer. This uh, is the first time we've done a show from Seth's apartment in about six months. Yeah, you, you, the longtime listeners of the show may remember that we once did this show on a weekly basis from a magical place in Washington, D.C. called the basement of soccer. I, I'd like to think the basement of soccer has now become... The place where the three of us are at all times. It's not a physical location. The basement of soccer now transcends such limitations. The basement of soccer is in all of us, really. It's in our hearts. It's like the secure location that we all remember from. But we are actually in the basement of of soccer this week. This is an MLS black site. To bring you... (laughs) 
our expert analysis of week one of MLS. So we're going to start with some general MLS talk, and in the second half of the show, we're going to move on to some DC United talk. Let's let's talk about the this Orlando City NYCFC affair. Much hyped, uh, obviously massive crowd, standing room only. David Villa versus Kaká. Uh, what what did we think of this? It was not a pretty soccer game. I don't know. Uh, no. you, you can attribute that to a few things. You had the turf, which generally doesn't lend itself to any sort of pretty soccer game. You had two teams that are just learning to gel with each other and uh, don't have the most elite rosters in MLS at this point. So there, there were some factors that contributed to the ugly soccer. I got to be honest. At halftime, Don Garber announced that MLS was going to be announcing its new round of expansion teams within 45 to 60 days and watching the product on the field, watching both teams, especially New York City FC, start a number of MLS cast-offs, basically, I was a little bit concerned about the dilution of talent, which is going to occur when more and more teams join MLS, probably four or five within the next three or four years. Seth, are you criticizing Medi Belushi? (laughs) (laughs) It definitely cracked me up. Uh, WV, I was completely uninvolved the entire first half. And you listen to Taylor Twelman, um, his commentary, you know, saying things like, oh, he's got to like drop back a little deeper, uh, you know, involve himself. And I'm thinking to myself, like, this is a guy who literally has never played this way in – 15 in a 15 year career you know and it's insane that he's supposed to i guess expected to be you know to do this to compensate for medi bellucci or you know any any number of <laughs> and any number of terrible nycfc players i'm sorry i mean i, I don't know it just it just struck me you know like well i thought i thought the the performance of uh, josh saunders while terrifying for long stretches given that he almost was killed in the in the run of play uh, really, he's he's the MVP there. We're, we're going to talk a lot about Kaká because of the goal, right? And um, and Mix because of his goal. But I, I thought Josh Saunders was probably the most influential player on in the field. And that's kind of how it goes for expansion teams, right? If you can uh, get a good keeper in there or a, a good striker, you know, difference makers in those key positions where maybe you can patch over some of your shortcomings. I would say I I, I didn't think it was quite as execrable as you guys uh, seem to. I think part of that is the circumstances of a sellout crowd. It, it always matters. I mean. MLS players typically are, are, are accustomed, at least traditionally are accustomed to playing in front of small houses at least uh, every now and again, right? And so those guys love – they don't care if you're throwing bags of pee at them or whatever. Like they love a big crowd. They love to have a, a, an environment that matters even if it's, you know, turf field and uh, a very sort of rusty, erratic style of play. I think the, the game felt like it meant something and those two teams felt like something more than expansion teams. More so, I see. I think Orlando because that's an existing club, right? NYCFC like is still figuring out where they all who whose name is and you know where they live and everything. But I think it's just another example of of established clubs doing better when they come up to the top level. Yeah, definitely. And I think when I talk about some of the mediocre MLS talent that I'm concerned about, Josh Saunders would be top of the list. Didn't seem like a guy that would really be at the level of a starting goalkeeper for a good MLS team, but he put in a really good performance. I mean, he might not remember it, but he actually (laughs) did, in fact, play extremely well and was really unlucky not to get the the clean sheet after Kaká's deflected goal. We joke about this, but was anybody else a little surprised that 
Saunders stayed in the game, wasn't maybe examined a little bit more closely, and after the game, um, Jason Christ says something along the lines of, you don't take your goalkeeper out of that game unless he asks to come out. I yeah. uh, uh, that, that was a pretty clear case, I think, of whatever concussion protocol is in place probably not being followed properly yeah uh yeah it's uh when he's bleeding from the head and you just saw him crash into a post i i don't think you should leave him in the game i i mean uh, i don't know uh how little faith they have in akira fitzgerald but that was uh, (laughs) is is adam nemich the worst player in the history of major league soccer yeah yeah he was uh he was not good he's one of those players who you never know with these internationals because i mean i don't think any of us have watched many adam nemich performances in the past but you see him on paper and you're like what's he a a slovakian international and you're like all right it sounds like he'd be a solid mls player and you watch the first game you're like oh oh my this uh this could not go well. Yeah, I guess the good news for NYCFC is they do seem to have a ready-made replacement on their roster in Kyrie Shelton, although he did play out wide when he came in. Yeah. Also, they've got uh they've got Patrick Mullins and Tony Taylor. There's some some forward depth, so uh, that's actually the one position on the field where it looks like they do have decent depth. Uh, their back line and midfield the uh, is a little thinner, but up top, they, they've got some talent. I want to move on to the next uh, item on this list that I've tied up, typed out, which just says, what the fuck is wrong with Aurelian and Colin? <laughs> um, can we... That's, can, this is going to be we, a new recurring segment on Open Wide for some soccer. I, yeah. I mean, I uh, I have no idea what the fuck is wrong with Aurelian and Colin. The, the question is, what was worse? The tackle or his... Reaction, in, in which, which, which yeah. seemed to suggest yeah. that he actually didn't even touch David Villa. Uh, I, Seth, I want you to describe your immediate reaction to it. I enjoyed hearing about this. I was angry. <laughs> I was, Seth Bertelny was furious. I was actually really angry. I was like, David Villa is one of the marquee signings in MLS history, realistically. And you're going to go in, studs up, high challenge, no chance of getting the ball. I mean, I was shocked that Via got straight back up from that challenge. It was disgusting. And then his whole, <laughs> his whole, oh, what, what are you talking about, Rev? Me? Why are you giving me a red card? That wasn't even a foul. Does that, it not even touch him? I did not touch him. The, the whole, the whole act made it even more disgraceful. But that was really, this word is used a lot. But that was a shocking challenge. And I really hope that the the disco comes down hard on him for that. Uh, yeah, I, we were wondering he'll get three games what, more. Yeah, that I be, you, be, because one it's would Via. think because it's Via, he'll get three, <laughs> you know. Um, I was curious how will Aurelian Colin fare without Matt Beasler next to him to bail him out repeatedly? Uh, it's off to not a great start. I was going to ask you how Matt Beasler is going to do without Aurelian Collin next to him because things didn't go so well for him this season <laughs> yes. either. How's Ico Parra going to do? The 2013 MLS Cup championship winning backline center back combination had a rough weekend. Yeah, I think uh, he didn't leave, live up to the uh, standard, the gold standard set by previous underwear models like Cristiano Ronaldo and David Beckham. Right, right. He looked more like a, like a Sears catalog underwear model. Uh, right. You know. The boxers were a bad choice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm curious what we think about Orlando City and New York City going forward. Do either of these teams 
have the ability to contend for the playoffs. How do we think they're going to do going forward in this MLS season? I'm going to add a caveat that let's let's remind everyone that six out of ten teams now make the playoffs, right. and two of them are expansion teams in the East. So I actually I could see particularly NYCFC actually making the playoffs. I think. They have a little bit more of a rhythm under Jason Christ. Uh, just watching the preseason games, you get a sense that he has instilled some semblance of a philosophy that they're buying into. I think their starting lineup is a little more complete, though they do have some depth problems. And then also they've got Frank Lampard and maybe Xavi I mean, uh, you coming could, midseason. You could also make an argument that uh, MLS is just generally borderline unwatchable for the first six weeks of the season. Um, that's that's been my impression the past three years at least. You know, uh, they're obviously going to have anomalies like Seattle last night, but you know, in, in general, I, I guess I don't make too much of you know that. I, I think that faceoff was probably an aberration. You know, yeah, you never know. I mean, this time last year, DC United was unwatchable and terrible and toronto fc was looking yeah. like the best team yeah. in mls so it's uh it's hard to make any sort of snap judgments yeah moving on let's let's talk about the late game last night in which seattle sounders look like not only the best team in major league soccer but the best team in the history of soccer would, would the, you guys the, say that's accurate the the third goal that they scored i mean i literally got off my couch and yelled uh, after that buildup, what it, did you it, yell, Pablo? I mean, I think it was just a guttural, ah, you know. Ah! It was one of those things where where my girlfriend came into the living room and was like, "What's wrong?" And I was like, "Nothing. Nothing's wrong. Like, you well, know maybe what, something is wrong. You like, know what's wrong? Somebody did something beautiful in MLS. Something's wrong. You like, know what's you know. wrong? New England thinks Andrew Farrell can replace AJ Soares at center back. Jesus Christ, honey, Clint Dempsey is right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. You asked yeah. the wrong question. <laughs> Uh, my girlfriend, not a Clint Dempsey fan for some reason. First, first woman I've ever dated that hasn't had some sort of uh, obsessive crush on Clint Dempsey. Really? Yeah. He's a grown man now, and the East Texas is coming out a little bit. We see the, the thick off-season beard that he grows for his hunting expeditions. <laughs> I think maybe that puts off you she's know, a casual female fan. She's a Bronco Boscovic oh, admirer. Okay. She likes so the Eastern like, European vibe, I think. Languid. Europeans, yeah, smoking a cigarette mysteriously. You know, speaking maybe of maybe she's a Nemich sort of sort of woman. Then uh, I think the Mohawk might yeah. be a turnoff. I'm not sure. Um, speaking of Clint Dempsey's honey expedition, uh, I did enjoy listening to Alexi Lawless apparently describe the quote ritualistic sacrifice <laughs> of a 300 pound hog. <laughs> Uh, a little disturbing, but you know, whatever. Well, I, I think it's important to give some context here. Uh, we didn't; those in the south and uh, in south central part of the, of the country probably are aware. Like, there's a serious problem: feral hogs are taking over America. What? Feral hogs are are breeding out of control. They're getting enormous. <laughs> Actually, 300 pounds is on the light side. This is why we bought feral hogs. This is why we bought brought Charlie on this podcast. I, I'll urge you: feral your, hogs are. <laughs> Listen, guys, you know, we we laugh, but this is a serious problem. So feral hogs Clint are like Dempsey the... Dempsey was doing a public service, to be honest with you. Feral hogs are like the, the deer. Like deer, Pennsylvania is to deer as the right. southwest U.S. is to feral hogs. Yeah, folks who are listening from outside of the District of Columbia, we have deer are such a pest in, here in the District of Columbia where hunting is not allowed that they actually had to go out and cull the deer. National Park year. Service. They had to yeah. and kill like probably hundreds of deer and get, they give the meat to the homeless, you know, yeah. shelters and everything, which is good. 
but there's they're a nuisance at this point, and that's how it is with the with the hogs. You guys Google Hogzilla, and you'll understand what I mean. <laughs> that's a four. That's a four digit. Three hundred pounds is Hogzilla is like what one of his f- legs is three hundred pounds. So oh my god! So I understand if people have moral objections to uh, to hunting. Wow, that's totally, Pablo totally just pulled right. up a picture of a hog, which is twice the size of a normal man. No, it's more than that. Jesus. Oh my god! Caption, it's... caption. There's we've got a uh, we've got like a, a slightly overweight, probably 13 year old Alabama kid. Caption: Alabama, Alabama boy kills 1,051 pound monster hog. It kind of looks like a dinosaur. Yeah, kind of rhino sized. Yeah, sort of like something <laughs> roams the savannah. That's <laughs> and then somebody photoshopped. So it's just important to understand the context. This isn't just murder. This is you know there, there's uh, a good some good reasons to to thin the population down yeah. there. Good. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the phones. Five seven one. You're on open wide for some soccer. How can we help you? So how you doing, guys? Good. Um, I've been trying to connect, but for whatever reason, my um, my connection is not working, so I haven't been listening. So I was wondering if it's okay if you guys can, like, you know, uh, just repeat anything you guys have talked about in that school, or or that be weird? I don't know. Do you want us to start the entire show over again for you? Is what you're saying? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I think not, you should speak not freely. Not start friend. the entire show. Just just something you guys have been talking about because I've been trying to call in and I finally got in. Yeah, uh, no, we we're just talking about the the expansion derby, I guess, and we talked a little bit about Seattle and uh, New England as well. What's uh, what's on your mind? What were, what were your impressions of this weekend of MLS action? Um, different, you know, uh, you know, with Orlando, you know, well, other than that, pretty much, you know, Seattle, pretty good up there. But I was just wondering, um, I've been hearing a lot about the attendance for DC United. Different theories out there, but I just want to know why exactly is DC's attendance lacking, if you will. Do you are you a uh, United supporter? Do you go to the games? I used to, but not, not anymore. Well, there you go. Wait, so what, you're what's, you're what's the your, problem. Uh, it's your fault. <laughs> what's your? I mean, I, 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 I'm I'm curious what your uh, what your take. I mean, you know, what, why don't you go to the games anymore? Well, transportation and work, mostly. Okay. All right, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, obviously, it's sort of a multi-tiered thing. I think, first and foremost, you have RFK Stadium, which ha- certainly has its charms and a lot of people in the district love, but it's just difficult to impossible to compare it to some of the other venues in MLS, obviously. Um, you know, I, I think- mean, RFK, RFK may be old. It may be, you know, what it is, but hands down, that stadium packed. That's one of the best atmospheres in MLS. I'll say this. DC United, uh, for the last two to three months of last season, was averaging about, what, 18,000, 19,000 a game. Yeah. They were doing very well. I think this past weekend yeah. was a bit of an aberration that's become a yearly thing now that the MLS schedule begins so early. Uh, that that first home game, it, it used to be packed, but when you're playing in, uh, what, 40-degree weather two days after a large snowstorm and it's early March, it, it's not going to uh, resonate with the casual fans think, too much. I think you have to realize, too, um, there's sort of, you know, just let's not forget how bad D.C. United were in 2013. Um, that kind of thing, it's not just a thing where, you know, the next couple of games after that season, their attendance will be poor. It's the sort of thing that affects an entire year's worth of attendance. You know, it's kind of a, a rolling thing. So, I mean, I, 
you know, I and you know what? I I'd, I'd I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this. The ticket prices uh for DC United are some of the most actually they're the most expensive in MLS. Um wow. you know, you can go to an LA Galaxy game, you can get a great seat for 12 bucks. I mean, that's a, a, an actual amount because I looked at this a few months ago. DC United cheapest seat is whatever twenty seven, twenty eight dollars. It's kind of put you know off putting. You can go to a Wizards game for eleven, twelve bucks. You go to a Nats game for eight dollars. You know, I mean, it's counterintuitive. So, but clubs that so move... this, oh, this leads me to another question, guys. Um, we know the stadium's happening. You know, thank God that's finally happening. You know, about time. But uh, my question to you guys is. Is the stadium alone going to attract 20,000 people or will there have to be some type of, you know, product on the field mm-hmm. considering the DMD likes his soccer? Yeah, those are great points. I would say, one, it's, it's, it's important to point out, it's counterintuitive to say this, but clubs that move into their own facilities can actually cut ticket prices in a lot of cases because they have control of revenue streams that they don't. You know, when you buy a beer at RFK, I don't know how much of that gets to DC United guys. No, little to none. Right? Yeah, yeah. And and we're talking about ten dollar beers here. So, um, and and so you're gonna see you're gonna see the club have a lot more control over the revenue streams. You're also gonna see the club open up the purse strings in a way they're just not right now. I mean, this is a money ball team. I, I don't think Ben Olsen would would actually deny that. They're not, yeah. Well, I mean, they're not they're not signing million dollar designated players. They're not gonna spend seven figures on anybody. They're paying down their GP So wages. when the stadium is done, what's the first thing the team does? I mean, you know, what? Are, how are they going to get 20, you know, K people into the stadium weekly? I mean, I you guess know, we'll... I, I will assume that once a new stadium is built, the prices might go up. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, that you could expect them to stay. I, I think they'll hold the line or maybe try and cut them. They'll probably have uh, really cheap supporters group tickets behind one goal. They're probably going to have day of you know what the Nationals have day of game tickets that you you have to wait in line for and it's like twelve bucks to get a great seat to the game to keep you know let let so average people in, get in. In other words, in other words, the team is going to have to really like not dip from form. In other words, another thirteen two thousand thirteen can happen. Well, yeah, because well, I, yeah. I I believe that the the you know up and down roller coaster ride United has is also affecting on the people because you know people don't want to. Oh, this this year they're good, but the next year they're kind of okay, and and then the next year before that it's like, oh man, what's going on? So I think personally, like once United finds you know a steady you know until the stadium gets there, then that would be crucial for them to add and add and add until the stadium gets here. Because if they have another year in the 2013, then that's rebuilding the whole thing all over again. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean we'll have to see what happens, man. Um, we definitely appreciate the call and uh, and uh, take it easy. Uh, you too, man. Have a good one. All right. Yeah. Uh, where were we? Um, I think I think I, w- I would be remiss if I didn't mention we have uh, Matt Wilcox from Twitter, who is a uh, frequent tweeter of the show, wants us to mention the San Jose Earthquakes performance. That's one of the games that Thomas watched because <laughs> almost every game is one of the games that Thomas watched. I'll, I'll go ahead and jump in and say I, that that was a game I I did half watch because they were sim- simultaneous games. Yeah, I didn't I didn't watch the game. I saw the highlights. Uh I will say it's it's unfortunate for David Bingham, uh first year starter. Uh, gets his his chance with John Bush leaving the club and and makes a, a mistake in in stoppage time in the second half to to lose the game. 
it, it seemed like he had a pretty solid performance otherwise. But, of course, when you're a goalkeeper and you make a mistake like that, that's the thing that people are going to remember most. I, I, I know that Innocent Imahara, Imahara started, and uh, I think, you know, for, from San Jose's perspective, him and, and Chris Wondolowski forming some sort of a, a partnership this year is going to be crucial for them. I'm, I'm not sure how he looked, how they looked. Yeah, I, uh, I, I won't say I, that I was able to have my full attention on on this game, but I, I did see little glimpses from him that were promising glimpses from uh, from Wando that showed that they could have a, a pretty good understanding. So that that is a partnership that I could see working out as San Jose competes for, uh, I'd say the bottom of the Western Conference is pretty wide open. I could see it going a lot of different ways. Yeah, I, was, I watched uh, watched Dallas San Jose, and uh, it wasn't a great quality match to be honest with you. Overall, aesthetically, um, San Jose, I don't know if they really have their identity yet. Are they, they're not quite the Goonies, you know, uh, mosh pit style that they once were. That you know, are they going to be the Dynamo Light? Are they going to be something more? Um, Matias Perez Garcia is their number ten designated player. He was very good in flashes. I think he's one to watch for sure. But I don't really know. I don't necessarily trust that Dom Kinnear is going to turn on the style. I think he's still a, a practical coach. He didn't uh, bring the uh, the next great hope of American soccer in the game at all, much less start him, uh, Tommy Thompson. Devastating. So also, uh, I, I, we're, we're we're being facetious, but, we, but hold on. I'm can watching we, that situation closely because because that's, I, I, can, we, can we talk I, about the fact like, that Tommy McNamara wasn't even on the bench for NYCFC? Uh, this is what just the fuck is absurd. up with that? Like absurd. Yeah. Is this, is this anti-Tommy? This anti-Tommy bias, must you know? We we need flicks. We need tricks. We need back heels. We, we need mullets. Yeah, exactly. We need old school Copa Mundials. The question. The we question. Need, we need assonance and names. We need you know. The, the question. Stuff. The like, question is American flair. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Uh, who, uh, who on San Jose is holding back Tommy Thompson from playing time? I mean, is it is it <laughs> is it Chase Salinas? You know, I mean, uh, what? Well, I think the first problem <clears> is that, <throat> that that Dom likes his four four two, right? I mean, he he almost. He rarely de- deviates from that in his coaching career. I'm not saying he's incapable of it, but he, he was a pretty straightforward 4-4-2. It looked like he wanted to hold out for a point on the road. And Tommy Thompson doesn't necessarily fit into that. He's got, you know, he could play off the number. You know, he can play as a kind of a, a second striker. He can play out wide. He could be a number 10. Uh, it's clear that Dom Kenyon doesn't trust him to be a number 10 right now. Um, so we'll have to see. You know, we'll have to watch that. I, I think hopefully when they open up at home, when they've, they've spent some money on players this winter, They'll open up the throttle a little bit and, and play, but they weren't really playing that way, per se, against SC Dallas. All right, let's go to the phones again. 914, <clears throat> you're on Open Wide for some soccer. How can we help you? Hey, it's Dan from Cincinnati. Hello, Dan from Cincinnati. Hello, Dan from Cincinnati. Hi, Dan. <laughs> um, so I know Seth was uh, you know, kind of making fun of Mitty Bellucci earlier. and I, that's, that's <laughs> that, that wasn't me. As, <laughs> many, yeah, as, that, as one does. <laughs> Seth really but, hates Medi Bellucci. No, we keep telling too- him to lay off him, and he just won't do it. He just bat- bashes the guy. I mean, right, hold on, hold on. Everybody I'm, stop. Let's listen to this Medi Bellucci apologist for a second. Well, well I just want to say I'm not a Medi Bellucci. I'm not a Medi Bellucci fan, but that was Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> okay, my bad. So then Thomas was making fun of him incessantly, but uh, but like Seth was saying, maybe this is where I'm getting mixed up, you're, you're afraid of the dilution of the league uh, right. with more expansion teams than I am too, but I thought there was one one guy that stood out to me, maybe because I've, I only watched a few games over the weekend and this was one of them, but it was uh, Tyler Derrick in goal for Houston at a really good game. 
Um, the crew could have scored probably three goals, and he, I think he kept them out. Um, so that, that's one guy who kind of stepped up when given his chance, uh, especially over the sort of second half of last year too. You guys think that's a Joe Willis effect? Yeah, is that, uh, that's, a, that's not a bad question. He, he, he now has a competent – or, well, there's a, a bit of a, I guess, goalkeeper war in Houston between him and Joe Willis, so maybe he's feeling the heat behind him and, and uh, putting up some, some better performances. The angry stare of Joe Willis has been burning into his back all preseason. He's yeah. feeling the heat. You know, it was, it, was, it was good to see Houston get a good result in their first game. They had a, a really tough season last year, one that kind of forced Dom Kinnear out and – Owen Coyle, I think a lot of people are a little bit lukewarm about his ability as an MLS coach. Is he going to be able to really adapt? Somebody who had some success initially in the Premier League with Bolton, but kind of struggled in his subsequent jobs with a couple of championship teams. But, I mean, when you look at Houston, that should on paper be a solid MLS team. They're chock full of very solid, proven, experienced MLS players and players who've had success in, in other places. So you, you you would have to imagine that if Owen Coyle can sort of put his mark on this team and Derek can step in for Tally Hall, that should be a good team in the in the Western Conference. And Kubo coming. Right? Kubo's coming. So they're, they're going to have a proven goal scorer, MLS goal scorer, coming yeah. in, in, in the summer at the latest. So. I, think, I think Kubo – has the potential to be one of the bigger flops in MLS history. I do, I do think it's possible. Yeah. And, and the, the, the interesting about the interesting it looks thing like about I just Kubo, hurt you it, deep down inside. Kubo, for whatever reason, I don't know what, but Kubo is not even making game day rosters for Chivas de Guadalajara right now. He's a Copa MX specialist right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, and this is the team that's battling relegation in Liga MX. So I'm not really sure why that's happening. Uh, All right, uh, Dan from Cincinnati, anything else? Yeah, uh, New York City FC just announced that they're opening up their 400 level, which is, I think, the you know fancy way of saying upper deck. And I wanted to know if you think they're going to somehow try and add enough seats so that they break Orlando City's uh, opening day record. <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. There, no. There's um, enough uh, extra room of, around the soccer field on that baseball diamond alignment. <laughs> if they put some temporary bleachers around, some I standing room that, only seats. I'm yeah. not sure the Yankees would really approve of that sort of abuse of their <laughs> outfield. You know, <laughs> yeah. construction cranes, uh, and second base. Down. Yeah, yeah. Like, like right on the infield there. Yeah. yeah. Maybe uh, jack the mount the mound up high enough to put some seats. I don't on think it. so. I think Thomas is Thomas is going to be there in person. So I, I'm. Uh, well, if uh, if I can get in touch with someone who works for NYCFC, <laughs> best of luck. Yeah, right. I, same with me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Dan. We appreciate the call, man. Thanks for calling. Thanks, boys. Yep. Dan from Cincinnati, aka Dan, Dan Carell. Dan from. Was it Dan Francis? Was it Dan Carroll? You didn't know that? No. I, I was wondering was why you weren't making any Israeli yeah. jokes. Yeah. <laughs> any <laughs> jokes about the Israeli national team? <laughs> that, that must have been it. Uh, um, uh, Dan Carroll, by the way, did in his fantasy squad select the one Israeli player in MLS. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, I don't. Daddy, I don't. Uh, no, Levy Sagari. Levy Sigari, okay. Levy right. Sigari. Also, I'd like to quickly jump in and uh, say that I, I made a mistake in my assessment of the earthquakes. In my half watching the game, I, I mixed up their two DPs. It was it was Matias Perez Garcia who was playing right underneath Wando, not 
innocent Emma Guerra. Get the, get the fuck out of the apartment right now. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking leave. You're no longer I, I will tell you guys this. It didn't show up if you're just watching the, the highlights or whatever, but Chris Wondolowski still has that frustrated... Um, why isn't it 2013 anymore kind of thing going on. He had a bunch of clear looks, like a, a really bad Matt Hedges pass led to a, uh, a free look for him, and he I couldn't think we finish. Ca- I think we call that the Belgium look. I've, right? like, I've really – Chris Wondolowski is an everyman hero in MLS, right? But he's – if he doesn't score, you see you see everything tense up, right? It was yeah. a lot, lot of last year he had that heavy burden kind of look on him. I'm the designated player. I got to score goals, yeah. right? And, I'm, curi- uh, I'm curious. Uh, Chris Wondolowski, over the last five years in MLS, has averaged 17.2 goals per season. And in case you were wondering, yes, yes I, I did. Right. I did. Right. I did San do Jose the San Jose preview for Goal.com. For goal.com. But, I mean, <laughs> seriously, though, that, that is a remarkable number of goals to average over that long of a period. But when you when you break that down, then that means he's got to be scoring every other game, right? Yep. The pace that he probably feels that he himself has to keep up, so he's already, you know, falling behind. Yeah, he's got to score it. next game. Am I the only <laughs> one who noticed a little bit of tension in BWP yesterday? Oh, a little God. bit of misery. A little bit of he looked like a he looked like a, like Robert Johnson or like you know like he's <laughs> like an old blues man who who just sold his soul and he realized he didn't get a good deal Completely. on his soul. The, the like where is Thierry Henry? I mean, at least Peggy Leodula has the sense to go and ponder retirement. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> like I said on Twitter, man, more money, less Thierry. That's just not a good. Oh, that's God. not a good recipe for BWP. I, I, I could see him scoring less than ten goals this year. Ooh, that's, I, I, I disagree with that. I think he's he's just a, he's a great finisher. They're going to find service to him one way or another. But everything is so different, and I don't think he knows where he fits in. He knows he's got a lot of money coming his way. He knows he's got to be the guy now, and he's got a lot more attention from defenders. He was getting beat up by Aikopara the other last night. I don't know if, he, if that team's I, – I, I saw promising signs from them in KC, but the identity is still getting sussed out, and where he fits into it I think is still getting sussed out. Props to Charlie for a Robert Johnson reference on this <laughs> podcast. I think I think that's a first, but – Definitely a good shout. Famous blues singer, did sell his soul to the devil, was one of the greatest blues musicians of all time, but died when he was very young because of his deal with the devil. Don't sell your soul to the devil, kids. Yeah. Even if he makes you a great guitar player. I think the Red Bulls already did that, right? Oh. Yeah. Oh. When they, when they oh. lost the Metro Stars brand. That's fine. Yeah. Also, speaking of the Red Bulls, Sasha Kleshin played well? I, I thought, uh, is that a statement or a so, question? Yeah. Is that a, was that an Alan Hinton tweet? I can't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, uh, I can't shake. Listen, and I was telling Seth this yesterday. I don't like Sasha Question, and personally, I, or just... no, I just look. It, I'm tainted by his performances with the national team, which are always pretty bad. They, um, he had I understand a, he had a great run in Interlocked. Yeah, he also had a good string of games for the national team uh, circa 2008-2009. He scored a hat-trick uh, against Sweden in one yes, game, I remember. That is accurate. And he, he actually st- started a Dos Acero game in, in Columbus. Uh, like he, It was a, a big part of that team in qualifying, but he, uh, for the last five, six years, has been a rather frustrating player. Designated Guys, player he, material. Here's the thing. He did exactly what the national team coach has has publicly urged all American players with national team aspirations to do. He went to Europe. He made it. He got a starting spot. He helped push his team into the Champions League. He was last year's only American in the Champions League, and it didn't even get him a World Cup roster spot. 
Well, I think Americans are the CONCACAF Champion League. What are the Champions League? What are you talking about? I think Jurgen <laughs> forgot to mention. I don't care if it's Belgium. <laughs> and, and question, that was that was part of it. Question didn't even make the thirty man. Joe yeah. Corona got in over him. Yeah, uh, or Sasha. So I want to I want to move on to the uh, the Canada derby that we saw. I thought that this was past the, weekend the best game of the weekend. Yeah, I I definitely agree. the The interesting thing to me is last season we saw a completely revamped Toronto FC go on the road in their first game and score a very impressive victory. And we all know how that season turned out. This year, the same thing happened. But do we think that they can actually sustain this kind of form throughout the rest of the season? Toronto FC will miss the playoffs. Toronto FC will finish first in the East. (laughs) Jesus, dude. That's what you said last year, Thomas. It is what you said last year, by the way. They were not. Uh, I do not have TFC in my preseason picks. I do not have TFC in the postseason. Yeah. If if you can question that kind of pick on on one game, then Saturday certainly gave me reason to second guess. And it wasn't just the fact that they won and they scored goals. It was the way they played, the way they adjusted at halftime. They defended well, which yeah. is not something I expected to see. Right. I mean, that, that's a, that is a running gun Vancouver team that can open up. Now, now granted, they. TFC were getting gashed left and right by, by Vancouver over the first half hour. Yeah. It was ugly. I really thought it was going to be a, a one-sided win for Vancouver. But Kakuda couldn't finish his chances. Um, uh, Octavio Rivero managed to, to uh, produce perhaps a miss of the season in the oh first half of the first game. It's not, it's not just missing from there. It's kicking the ball backwards. Sideways, yeah. It went behind him? It's special. That's special. I think, you know, stuff happens. You're thinking a lot. You want to make a good impression on your new team, your new fans. And and, and, and to his credit, he came back a couple yeah. minutes later, and, and he had a breakaway, and he scored. And that's kind of what being a striker is all about, is forgetting your most recent miss and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. finishing your next chance. That's, that's but, like the biggest – that's like the most, like, Ben Olsen thing or Eddie Johnson thing <laughs> you've ever said in your fucking life. Thank you. <laughs> that's but, <laughs> So what, the striker's got to have short memory, though. So, uh. I mean, it's, tr- it's true. <laughs> so Josie was a beast, and there's a lot of attention yeah. being paid to that th- today and probably will be for some time now. But uh, Michael Bradley and uh, Benoit Cheru, who is the offseason acquisition that people are talking about less uh, with Toronto, but those two guys at the base of midfield just figured it out. They figured out the Whitecaps. And they took over. And Dude. the guy, they were going up against Laba, Matias Laba, who I think is one of the best sixes in the, in the league, and um, uh, Pedro Morales, who's one of the best playmakers in the league. And, you know, tons of fat talent in that Vancouver midfield. And Sheru and Bradley just crushed them. Jovinko, Jovinko's movement is like, he, he looks like a cut above everyone on the field. I, that's what I was going to say. It, it, to me, it's rare to see any DP step straight into MLS and show that quality. Usually, uh, even when it's David Beckham or Thierry Henry, there's some sort of, however brief, uh, adjustment period. And and sometimes it's uh, a few few months. I, we will say Jermaine Defoe last year had two goals in his first game. So that uh, this has happened before and given Toronto fans false hope. I but think- Javinko... He, looked very classy on the ball and like his his quickness and playmaking ability is going to be a big asset for them i think this leads us to an interesting question which is josie altador looked good throughout the game two goal performance does this prove 
what does this prove? If anything, does this prove that he wasn't getting service at Sunderland, or does this prove that obviously he can come to MLS and still rip it up? I, I'm going to go ahead and say this: that Jovinko's service to him on that goal was incredible, and I feel like there's only three or four or five strikers in MLS who could have collected that ball, turned and and you know put it on goal that quickly. I mean, right. it was almost it, 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 to reference a former TFC striker. It was almost Jermaine, Def- Jermaine Defoe ask the way he. Pulled the trigger that quickly. Yeah, the only players in MLS who can also score that goal are Clint Dempsey, Obafemi Martins, Robbie Keane, and Haro Arrieta, <laughs> and Connor Doyle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's it, it's interesting. You know, everyone says at Sunderland that he wasn't producing because he didn't get any service, which I think is not really true he had opportunities i think it's, it's he had a few octavio rivero moments himself. he did he had, he, the did. One, he had the one where he missed and he looked like he wanted to die that <laughs> at the end of the year yeah so. i mean i think confidence is a is a big factor for strikers and he's in a new league and a new team in a new setting and it's clear that he's had a little bit of a reset of his confidence and he certainly has the ability if he is confident and if he is getting service like that to be one of the top goal scorers in MLS. Well, you have to remember too, there's there is, I think Josie is, is more has a more fragile, but powerful confidence maybe than any player in the modern era that the U S has produced when he's on his game. Let's remember, I, I think he still has earned the biggest transfer fee in MLS history, right? I mean, he, he was he did well enough in this league as a teenager at age eighteen to to earn a huge move to Villarreal. So he knows he's he knows that a team has gone out of their way to get him. Well, then and, and dropped and the, cash on him again in the EPL. I think it was a twelve million dollar transfer fee or something for him. Mm-hmm. It's I mean repeatedly, you know. So he's well, he you know when he's on, we saw it in in Holland when he was playing well in Holland. He was he looked unstoppable and it, it earned uh, the the attention of Sunderland. It got him got a lot of money for him. But when he's not on, uh, things can fall apart very quickly, and it was it was really ugly. I mean, I think we all saw those moments that Paolo referred to with with Sunderland. But now he's been in, he's been invested in. He knows this team wants him. This team needs him, and you could see he was just. I mean, that he was trolling Vancouver fans <laughs> after the game. <laughs> Got beer thrown on him. Was just unplayable. I mean, he was a hoss. You know, n- none of the Vancouver defenders could 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 match him for strength much less, you know, keep pace with him. I, it, was a, it was night and day in terms of just a, a kid who who has people caring about him now. I read somewhere on Twitter today that there are, uh, this is an actual number, 3,000 TFC fans traveling to Columbus for that game. I guess that's a... Uh, 3,000. Oh, you mean Vancouver? No, no Columbus. Yeah. Oh, next. Oh, okay. The, uh, yeah. What's yeah. that one? The Trillium Cup or... Yeah. One of the most prestigious <laughs> trophies in world football. Right. <laughs> Also, I wanted to bring this up. Are we underestimating the reunited forward duo of Altador and Robbie Finley from the 2010 World Cup? <laughs> Jesus. That That's worked, about as Thomas that, Floyd as it gets right there. so <laughs> well in, in uh, South Africa. Yeah, well, Finley scored, right? And Finley scored as the only player in the box with four defenders around him, and he beat them all to the near post. So... And I think any RSL fans who are listening tonight will probably tell you uh, how little Robbie Finley has scored of late. Uh, but once again, he's now, I guess he's in an environment where he's uh, being relied upon. They're, the Michael Bradley is in there being the general, right? And they've all of a sudden they've got some wind in their sails, and they can, players can look totally different. Yeah, they definitely good, look good 
Uh, I do think that, as Charlie mentioned, there is definitely the caveat of the way their defense was consistently carved apart yeah, they, in the first half. They kept isolating Caldwell on Kaku the Mana. That, that, was, that was a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I will also throw this in about Robbie Finley. It's kind of a, a short memory. He had some injury problems last year that really limited him, but the season before... He was a big part of the RSL making it to MLS Cup. He was a, a really good player for them in the playoffs, and there was a lot of talk of him getting a January call-up, uh, which he ended up missing that camp with the injury that kept him out for the start of the MLS season. So I could actually see that being – it's a it's a move we, we mock somewhat, but I could also see that being a sneaky good acquisition by yeah. uh, Toronto, whether he's up top or on the flank. Well, guys, we are a DC United podcast in, in name at least, so I think we need to finish with a little bit of uh, DC United discussion. Is it in our name? I think we're a Simpsons podcast in name, but <laughs> well, yeah. Copyright infringement. We know. we tend to talk about DC United sometimes. We attend their games and watch them play soccer in person, which we can't really say for any other team. So United, they they're coming off a disappointing Concacaf Champions League exit to a Costa Rican side, and they came back and produced a. a Fairly good performance, I would say, in a 1-0 a win over Montreal, a team which had a slightly better CONCACAF Champions League result in the same week. But o- overall, I-, I thought that there were a lot of positives to take out of the season opener for DC United. It's a, It was a classic Ben Olsen grind-them-out win. And it's uh, you, you, I'll, I'll say this. That's the way they won games when they made the run to the Eastern Conference Final a couple years ago. It's also how they won their season opener the year they were the worst team in MLS history. So this could go in two very different directions. <laughs> That's true. Um, they, I, I think they got a goal from Rafael that game, if I'm not... Uh, Rafael scored in a yard. Rafael scored in a two to one loss to Columbus. Oh that right, season. right, right. That was the home opener. Uh, the game they yeah. beat against Real Salt Lake was Leonard Pahoy scored a diving header off a Nick Romando rebound. That was really quiet. I thought you yeah, were trying to make that louder. Pop. Do it again. Right, turn it up. Thomas Floyd. <laughs> Thank you. That's better. I'm going to go out and make a a bold prediction. I think DC and I will be better than they were in 2013. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, they, I'll say. All right. If Ben will let me speak. uh, I'd like to go ahead and say that, uh, you know, the, this team, this short term, they have some issues. Up top, Fabian Spindola, six-game suspension. That's brutal for them. Luis Silva being injured for what looks like at least another couple weeks. Could You never know with these soft tissue injuries. Could be longer. Uh, Eddie Johnson out for who knows how long. Uh, oh, really? I just I, I want to point out. I'm really distracted trying to provide this intricate breakdown while I see Pablo navigating the soundboard. Bullshit. In case you guys are wondering, by the way, Leonard Pahoy currently is playing for Union Comerico in the Peruvian First Division. Have have they converted him to a position other than forward yet? I don't know. 
He only has two appearances. <laughs> so have no goals, but decent hold-up play will travel. <laughs> it's 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 not about what he does high, on offense. All right, high defensive work rate. The phenomenon of of strikers who don't score is just amazing to me. I know it's it, it's a really it's a hard job, and other players in other positions can be judged by metrics other than sco- goal scoring. But but America and and this league of you know MLS and the national team both we have a tend to have a lot of strikers floating around any given time who don't score goals. Go home. Uh, Dan Carell, by the way, chimes in and says the Israeli that he has on his fantasy team is Sagi Lev Ari. That's what he said, I think. Is that what Charlie said? said, Is that what he said? I was in the neighborhood. It was more. Also, also, uh, me and Pablo were at the game on Saturday, and when Connor Doyle came on around the 70th minute, we actually. Discuss. Is he the best defensive forward in MLS? It's it's embarrassing. Connor, Connor Doyle last year, before his injury, was kind of the DC United victory cigar. He's the American James Miller. He is. Uh, <laughs> I would just say he's. Uh, you bring him on to sort of kill the game. In fact, uh, I would just want to call him like the pillow yeah. that smothers the game slowly yeah. as it like twitches. He, and dies. No doubt. I'll say on Saturday he had the game-saving clearance off the line. He did. Might talk- have been. A, a near handball. Might have been a handball. <laughs> are we talking about strikers who don't score again? Yeah, we are. Yeah. Do you have We're st- talking about DC United, <laughs> Charlie. It's a recurring, it's a recurring theme. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we should do like a, a a non-scoring striker MLS power rankings at some point. You know. <laughs> so Connor Doyle's number one, clearly. Uh, who else do we have there? Will Bruin, Danny Alsop. All oh. time. Oh, okay. All uh, time. Award man. recipient. I would like to see DC United's record last season in games that Connor Doyle played. I'm pretty sure it is perfect. I'd also oh, yeah. I'd also like to see Connor Doyle's minutes played. I feel like last season he appeared in twenty one games and played twenty seven minutes. <laughs> uh, that that was just his role. Overall he, I thought there was some good stuff. <laughs> oh god, Pablo has Gone off the rails on the soundboard, as so, and it takes over the rat spot. I, I got, I'm sorry to, if I'm repeating content from previous casts, but have you guys picked uh, United to make the playoffs? Nope. <laughs> so that's Pablo's answer. Uh, Sam, yeah, Sam, I think I like they'll it. make the playoffs. I mean, I think that I think most teams will make the playoffs. I think. <laughs> Who isn't going to make the playoffs? That's the better 60, question. So, wait, so, so, so how many teams do I need that won't make the playoffs in the East? Four. Yes. Uh, TFC, New York Red Bulls. <laughs> Uh, Montreal, NYCFC, NYCFC, Orlando and Chicago. Wow, so you got, you got I think Orlando, Orlando makes it over NYCFC. Pablo has Orlando and Chicago. And, and it's funny because what what he said about what Charlie said earlier about uh, about Saunders is actually something. It's the exact same thing I said to Seth yesterday about Ricketts. I said, you know, they have. I mean, I understand Donovan Ricketts is kind of erratic. You're looking at me like I'm crazy right now. No, I'm hearing you out. I'm hearing you out. I'm just saying, you know, he's <laughs> he has the, he has the capability to be a reliable keeper and i think he could keep them in a lot of games you know you yeah don't... that's true that's true <laughs> what i mean i guess you could put them out of a lot of games too but i mean it's rare that you see a a transaction where both teams are equally excited to to acquire a player and the other team is equally excited <laughs> to remove the player because uh portland was thrilled they like i don't know what they did they did like 10 different things to remove him from their 
from their uh, salary bill. You know what? Hold on. Hold without on, having on. to protect him or, or you know do anything with him in the expansion draft. I, think, I forget how it all played out, but it was impressive. I think NYCFC makes the playoffs and Chicago doesn't. I don't know. I had a miniature brain fart and just said that. The Chicago yeah. Fire would make the playoffs. And he was watch- anyone who was watching them play on Friday night. Unwatchable. Lost I've been saying for three game. months that they're going to be unwatchable, and they were unwatchable. That's, that actually, I was, I was angry watching that game. I'm, I'm not a Chicago Fire fan, but I, I felt the, a, a sample of what they must go through on a weekly basis because that team is, should not be that poor. The team should not be that bad. They, they've spent on DPs. The they've spent on DPs. And they have, a, they have one of the best homegrowns in the, in the league. They they made some sensible signings like they got they got local guys to come back and play for the hometown team you know depth players squad players they seem to have done everything right off the field and then you watch them and they were just a hot mess. Yeah, I'll, I'll quibble with the done everything right off the field. I you look at the right. three player acquisition wise. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, aside you, from bankrupting the town of yeah. Bridgeview, yeah. they've yeah. done most things right. You look at. <laughs> I look at the three DPs they brought in, and it's questionable. None of them are known commodities in MLS. None of them ha- – like, David Akam is kind of the, the player I could see being very good, but also he – I mean, he was playing in Scandinavia, has almost no track record with Ghana's national team. Uh, the Kennedy, however you pronounce his last name, was a mess in that, that first game. Sean Maloney was invisible. And you're signing DPS from the championship. I I don't know if that's the best route. And it is. It is kind of curious how they signed three DPS in the offseason and none of them addressed their defensive issues. And right. Instead, they started Jeff Lorenowitz at center back. Yeah, they, and Lorenowitz is not All a right. center back. Remember when Jeff Lorenowitz made Daniel Ward look like a traffic cone, though? I mean, oh my he's... god. <laughs> Well, and remember the Chicago Fire's last star center back was the rookie of the year not that long ago, and he's now playing in the Korean second division. Yeah, that's incredible. Austin Berry. I, 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 I wonder I, if both parties are, are wonder, wishing they'd patch things up somehow. What a, what of a all fall the, from grace. Of all from the rookie teams, of the year to Korean second division in a year flat. I know. Of all, of all the teams in MLS that I really want something good to happen to, I think Chicago is really top of the list. I mean, this is – one of our biggest markets, mm. even though it's yeah. a stadium that is not in a good location. It's kind of far from downtown, but this is a team that needs some excitement. This is a team. I mean, I mean when when, on, when Kubo when Kubo Torres was available, that was my number one destination. Like I really wanted Chicago to get him. They have a huge Mexican population there. Mm. They need something interesting, exciting to happen I, to that franchise. I hate myself for saying this, but I, TFC is number one on that list for me, and they have been for years. I mean, they've they, their well, their fans started sort of this 2.0 version of MLS fan culture and have suffered pretty long, you know. Uh, the we, Fire we have had say, some salad. They at least had some salad days. We could say They've the Fire were, ML, were the you know MLS 1.0 fans that took it to the next True. level. I mean, they, that was a team that hit the ground running. I, I got to spend some time with with Peter Wilt, who's now running the NASL team over in Indianapolis, and the stories he has and and the the the, the genius really to to start that club from nothing and literally have no expansion learning curve of any kind, win the championship their first year. You know, compete consistently. Win the Open Cup like sixteen times. Yeah, I mean, they, they they built they built the you know Bob Bradley's reputation. They built Peter Noack's reputation. Had a huge influence on the league, and you know, the last ten years or so have been well, let's say the last f- five years. There's been some lean times, and there's a lot of unfulfilled potential. 
um, in that market. I don't think anybody would voluntarily own up to building Peter Nowak's reputation at this point. (laughs) (laughs) He's coaching some teams somewhere right now, isn't he? He's the technical director for for the Antiguan Federation. My dear Lord. So you could pick a worse working environment. I hope he gives them some water to steal a joke from Pablo. Antigua is the land of of, of, uh, 365 beaches. They have a beach for every day of the year down there. That's so much water that he won't give them. (laughs) Salt water. Salt water. He'll probably give them salt water. He's like, you guys want water? I got your water right here. That's that's going to be even more difficult for them to be deprived of water when they look around and see water surrounding them. Let's not forget that that is the the national team with a, from a country of approximately two hundred thousand people that almost ended the U.S. run to the twenty fourteen. <laughs> so, so true. They play on a cricket, they play on a cricket field. It took the heroics of Alan Gordon and Eddie Johnson. Oh my God! To rescue the Yanks that night that <laughs> night in Antigua. That, you know what I love about the national team, the U.S. national team is. You can like you don't have to go very far back for absurdity. You can right. always just go back like four or five months and say and have a sentence like that that sounds completely unbelievable. Also, I like oh yeah, Sean, uh, you know like like Alan Gordon and Eddie Johnson saved the day, and you're like how the fuck like what? I you know, I put together uh, like Edson Buttle scored three goals and we like what are you talking about? I, yeah. I put together a, a slideshow at goal of one cap wonders and Alan Gordon is the king. Like no was, one will ever top. Wait, wait, that. wait. Who was it? So who was it that you? So there was there was one. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Zach Wells retweeted it. So I was I I wasn't sure. I guess he's <laughs> Zach Wells was on it and yeah, retweeted it. I, I guess he saw it as an honor. I mean, I guess it's better to be a one cap wonder than a no cap wonder. Yeah, but, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was uh, also. Side note on Pierre Novak, I was talking to Amobi Akugo for a story last week, and he was talking about his time in Philly and was like, you know, uh, I still have a good relationship with my coaches in Philly, like uh, Coach Hack, Coach Jim. You know what? I don't actually don't know where Peter Novak is, uh, (laughs) but like Coach Hack and Coach Jim, like we get along. God. Uh, I think Floyd and I spoke to Jim Curtin on separate occasions in the past three months. And uh, he is the nicest, most helpful human being in the entire world. Oh, he is! He was so nice; it was startling. At, like, I'm not that, like Benny's fine to deal with, to, but to, he has to like be, his, his... to be nicer than John Hackworth. Is <laughs> like, like what is wrong with you at that point? You know? Yeah, I I enjoy uh, getting to talk to Benny, but he, you know he can be a little grumpy sometimes. And uh, you you go and talk to Jim Curtin, and he is like. The most accommodating, kind, thoughtful person I've ever met. I mean, that might be an exaggeration. Like, I love you, mom. Uh, but <laughs> but Jim but Jim Curtin's uh, up there on my on my power rankings. Thomas, who do you love more, Jim Curtin or your mom? I don't think I know Jim well enough to really fairly judge him in this conversation. <laughs> Wait, so you're, Thomas, keep, you're keeping your options open. You're yeah. keeping your options open. <laughs> if I get to know Jim well enough then we then he'll qualify for this debate Tom Thomas Floyd (laughs) who is a better soccer coach Jim Curtin or your mom Uh, probably Curtin I, I will. Okay, who's who's hotter, Jim Curtin or your mom? All right, we're stopping this conversation. <laughs> I hope your mom answer the question. Thing. I hope your mom's all listening. Should we wrap it up? Uh, we haven't even. We didn't even talk about DC United. You realize we kind of did a yeah, little we bit. We discussed their uh, their game and how yeah, it was, they won a it game. was ugly. Uh, they won a game. They have some them forward injury. Can, can Hiro Arietta 
is he the solution for the next two months? Is that something that's actually going to work? This is a this is a player in MLS who the chief knock on him has always been that he doesn't score. So is that he scored on Saturday? I know he scored on Saturday. Leonard Poy scored every once in a while too. Two I, two. I, some you know some MLS is weird. Guys get traded like get traded and picked up off the scrap heap for nothing or little to nothing, and then they all of a sudden are renewed. Like you know, people thought Espindola was on the way out, right? And now he's a hero here. He's an icon because he just fits with what Ben's trying to do. He fits in the culture. Maybe Hyro's that type of player as well. You know, I mean Bernardo Anyor, another an ex crew guy who, who didn't look like anything much for long stretches over there, and now he's like a big part of what they're doing in KC. So it's a weird weird league in that way. But I think he is. I actually was going to ask you guys if we were to, you know our caller earlier was talking about the uh, the RF you know RFK and DC United as a product, right? If they're going to be this conservative, if they're going to win games 1-0 and they're going to grind it out, what would, what pitch would you actually make to a D.C. area soccer fan who's not necessarily in a United diehard who wants to know why he's going to pay the highest prices in the league to go watch a team grind it out and win 1-0? I don't – I hate to say this, or I should say it pains me to say this, but I don't know what my selling point to somebody would be to go to a United game at this point. You know, I mean, I think that's yeah, but that's yeah. I I don't know a lot of people that would want to be a part of that sort of like jumping, singing, getting drenched with beer, right, for ninety minutes thing. Uh, the, and you know, I'll I'll say they're they're selling points in terms of uh, you've got the most exciting goalkeeper in the league for whatever that's worth. Yeah. I mean, Bill Hamid can pull saves out of his hat that are that can make any highlight reel and. And they also the idea of him being a potential national team guy, Birnbaum and Perry Kitchen. People are interested in seeing the future of the U.S. national team. You're talking team. about defenders and goalkeepers. And I think the casual soccer fan in the United States wants to see fast-paced, up-tempo, the, the Sounders-style soccer from last night. I mean, that's that would be a selling point to them. Hey, it's fun. You know, it's a tough sell to somebody to be like, oh, these look how look how defensively sound the team is. It's not something, you know. It's not fair to Ben, really, in a sense, because the co- coaches and players are hired and paid to, to win games, right? That's supposed to be the bottom line is you win games, you, you win trophies, and you at least fight for trophies. They've certainly been in those conversations of late. So, you know, it's, it's harsh to say this, but I think this says a lot about where MLS and American soccer has moved now. You have to have a product. I mean, your product can't just be, hey, come watch pro soccer. We we win a lot of games, right? Now we're actually we're, it's it's not fair, but it's this is where we're at. Like, what's your entertainment value? I think it's I think it's really cheap of the team to, and I mean the team's been pretty open in saying that they have to sort of be fiscally conservative and they're in financial recovery mode until they get the new stadium, and then they're just going to flip a switch. I mean, it's sort of patronizing to your audience to say, hey, you know, like uh, we'll get this in three years. In the meantime, keep showing up. You know, I mean. I, guys, I got a message from a, a, a really trusted, reliable source of mine also who said, you know, another another way to do that, there's a huge youth soccer community around here. They've built an academy. They've built an academy before anybody else in MLS almost. You know, and they, they've they've signed some promising kids. They've gotten some – there's some exciting young kids you could come in and, and get on a league minimum salary who might be able to light it up. The problem is – and this uh, a, a source told me tonight – the word is out among not only United's academy but beyond – they're not going to play you. Don't take a contract from United. It's, it's bad. Because they're not going to play right, I mean, I, I'm you. I'm not trust gonna... his veterans. Yeah. And Michael Seaton is one of the most talented young guys in CONCACAF. Regular right? caps just, for the Jamaican national he's team. He's on the senior national team as a teenager. 
but he's not sniffing the field for United now. Now, you know, again, it's it's Ben's priority prerogative, but that that word is getting around fairly or not uh, among the the youth community here. No, I mean, I think it's a an earned reputation. I mean, if you look at the rosters that have been built the past few years, I mean, this this year was the past two years have been built around MLS vets, and you do have the the Seedens sort of language, Colin Martins, you know, who don't see minutes, actually forget minutes, don't even make the game day roster, you know? So right. uh, why even sign these kids to homegrown contracts? You know, I mean, uh, it doesn't even end up playing it, you know? Yeah. yeah United, I mean, United has actually a little bit of a track record of, of playing younger players, but they're mostly acquired through the draft. When you talk about guys like Burnbaum, like Perry Kitchen, Chris Pontius, I mean, these are guys that have been able to actually, slot in and, and, and get minutes. But in, in terms of homegrown guys, I think it's pretty much Hamid and that's well and Andy, that's it. Andy Nahar and, and Ethan and White. Yes, so Nahar. I, well White well, got White got offloaded. White got like, shipped off. But White had two different seasons where he started over twenty games before he was traded for a uh fringe US national team center back. I mean I, 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 he was offloaded, but he got lots of playing time and turned into an asset that the team turned into a useful player. Yeah, Nahar is is definitely a good shout. I, I do think that Nahar was an exceptionally talented young player that was almost too good to ignore. I mean, this is a guy who's doing really well at Anderlecht and we're probably going to see in one of the top four European leagues in the next couple of years. So that's kind of a... And they spotted him playing playing uh, high school. You know, I mean, he was... He was it's, it's, it's probably unfair to say that he fell into their lap, but United can take definitely take partial credit for, for Andy Nahar's development, but there was a, a gem there that just needed to be polished. Mm-hmm. And I think the issue is... You know, it's not enough. It, like players don't get fired up about that. Hey, maybe maybe my local home team club will sign me and develop me and start me for twenty games and then ship me off as a <laughs> as a useful asset to to to, to bring in, ex- a in exchange for a fringe U.S. national team center back. That doesn't get know? people fired up. That doesn't get you kissing the badge, does it? I mean, yeah. That's I think I think that's where it's and it's, this isn't just a United problem. This is a league wide issue of really incorporating the academy system and the academy mentality into what you're doing on a daily basis. Who, who do you think, I'm asking out of my own curiosity, I mean, who do you think does that best in the league? Uh, I, it's tough to say. I don't know that there's a Is, a is there model. any team that does I think, it well? I think, I think L.A. and uh, RSL are the closest to that because you have places where there's an organizational culture, there's a steady stream of players coming up to the academy system, and there's a relative willingness and readiness to, to, to play them and give them a shot. And RSL, we see, has already invested a bunch, and they're ready to invest more. They're, they want to build a second stadium. They want to build a USL stadium in their hometown. They were, they were stymied in one location, and they're moving on to the next one, right? This is the smallest – I think it's the smallest or one of the smallest markets in the, in the league. Yeah. And they are ready to go they're, – they're all in on youth talent because they feel like that's how they can compete with a bigger market size with more money and more everything, right? And L.A. – I mean, L.A. is sitting on a gold mine. I think actually L.A. is, is only begun to scratch the surface of what they can do. But it's there. They have the facilities. They have the will. And I think they're going to – I mean, they're going to start to turn. If LA really cranks that up the way that RSL is doing, it, it could it could be a, a in an, an, a, an advantage that is very difficult for anyone else to overcome. Well said, sir. Yep. <laughs> All right. Hopeless or anything. I mean, I've already tried to end this once. 
then I was completely rebuffed. So I'm going to do it again. Thanks for Charlie joining us tonight. Thanks for Charlie. Thanks, for Charlie. <laughs> thanks to thanks to Charlie for joining us tonight. And uh, we will talk to you guys next week.